Man, it's been, been a good morning already. Um, we're, we're continuing our series this morning in the book of Esther, chapter 5. Um, just to get you caught up real quick, um, we're going to skip over a little bit of the first part of chapter 5, come back to it next week in a sermon called Who's in Control? And uh, that'll be in this story and it'll be in your life. And uh, we're really going to get to the sovereignty and the providence of God in the story of Esther next week. Um, but today we're going to take the last part of chapter 5, um, 9 through 14. At this point, if you've been following along, you know the story. I, can't, I don't have time to go back through it all, but knowing the first part of chapter 5, Esther walks into the court to King Xerxes, uh, breaks the law and trying to fight and save her people. This is her husband, the king. She, she walks in and, and, she doesn't, and he blesses her and allows her to come in and speak. He, she doesn't die. That would be a, a kind of a left turn, wouldn't it? Alternative ending to Esther. Um, but God, that didn't happen. And so she walks in, and, and he, he allows her to talk. And, but she doesn't come immediately with her request to save the, the Jews. She, she asks, requests a banquet with the king and Haman. Remember, Haman is the one who put the decree out to kill all the Jews, and she's one of the Jews. And, and, and her cousin Mordecai, who raised her, is also a Jew. And, uh, and so she requests this banquet, and so they, they have the banquet with Haman. And where we're going to start on verse 9 is right after that banquet. Um, so before we get into that, y'all like bumper stickers. Y'all see bumper stickers? You, you ever seen some that make you laugh? You just drive and you're like, I can't believe somebody's got that one. And, and sometimes you see some that might offend you. I can't believe what some people put on the back of their vehicles. Can you? Um, and, and so I had an experience a, a few weeks ago where I saw one. I just got a couple on here to get us kind of thinking, going to loosen up a little bit. Are y'all here? <laughs> who, who wants this bumper sticker? Who needs it? Me. I, yeah. Uh, I was never an honor student, but I think I could have been if I would have tried. Um, I don't know what happened. I was an honor student. I don't know what happened. Um, do you follow Jesus this close? A little passive-aggressive? <laughs> Christianity on your, your bumper. Um, and, and so uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw one I'm going to share with you in just a second. And I was, I was, we were driving. I think we may have been coming back from Tennessee. So we were on an interstate. And, um, uh, and, and I come up on this huge truck. And I could see the back of it. And it was like kind of hard to read what the bumper sticker said. And I, so I was passing. I was trying to get closer. Like totally not looking at the road at this point. I do not advise this. And so I'm getting closer to this bumper sticker, and I finally get close enough to where I can read what it says. And uh, it says, I don't have road rage. You're just an idiot. <laughs> and at this point, as I'm reading it, I'm getting ready to drive by the guy's window and about to hit him because I've been reading it. I'm like swerving into him, and I get up beside him. He's like this big burly guy, and I just read the, the, the bumper sticker that said, you're an idiot. And I was like, this is not a good scenario. <laughs> and so, you know, like, uh, like I would always do my whole life when I thought I was going to get beat up, I would just look forward and be quiet and just drive. <laughs> very like hoping he didn't see me, not knowing if he's looking at me. I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm going on. <laughs> uh, but as I was reading this story about Haman, and, and I saw something in Haman that affected his entire life, that really ended up being his demise, and it was a thing called bitterness. And as I was thinking about Haman, I thought about a bumper sticker like that. Like, how bitter in life do you have to be 
to have a bumper sticker to tell every person, stranger, that comes up behind you that they're an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so maybe you got some, and we all have some level of bitterness in our life about some situation or some person or something, something that made us angry. That we, we didn't step into that anger, we didn't necessarily respond to it, we just took it inside. And over time it becomes a thing called bitterness. And we find in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says this, look after each other. This is writing to the church, to you and me. Look after each other so that none of, none of one of you, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no, what's, what's he going to call bitterness? Poisonous. Take care to, to make sure that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Man, that's a strong word to the church. It's a, uh, you, you don't wake up every day and think, I've got to make sure I'm not bitter. It's poisonous and you know, I don't want to corrupt a bunch of people. You don't think that. You get immersed into it. You don't even know you are bitter. But we you see here, it's so important that we all risk it. We all have some level of it. Sometimes we're deep in it. Sometimes we're not. But we all have some element in our heart of bitterness about a person, a situation. How do you know if you're bitter? Let somebody say a name if you go, uh. <laughs> all right. Got a little bitterness going on. Okay. And, and, and so watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. So I'm looking at Haman's life, and here's what, here's what I felt in my heart. And I'm not going to. Uh, this might be your favorite sermon ever because it's not very long. I'm going to try to get through this quick because God just said, here are the things that, that uh, what is I, the Holy Spirit just showed me as I was reading this. Here's the things that just revealed to me. I'm just going to share them with you. I'm not going to go real deep in each one. But if you take notes, it's a great morning uh, to, to take notes. But here's, here's what I found in Haman's life. Bitterness backfires. Okay. It's a poisonous root that's going to cause trouble for you and, and, and spread to everyone around you. And we see this in Haman's life. Bitterness backfires. We're going to look at, at five things. of you know How does bitterness backfire in Haman's life? How did it change his life? How did it affect him? What happened? This allows us to see it maybe in our own life. And then I won't leave you hanging there. I won't just say, look at y'all. Y'all are bitter. We're all bitter. We're going to look at some steps out of it. How does God call us? out of it. First thing I want you to see is bitterness distorts your perception. Bitterness distorts your perception. Here we have Haman. He's leaving the banquet, all right? Starting in verse 9, Esther 5, 9. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet, but when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. Okay, what do I mean by distorts your perception? It means that the devil can use bitterness in your heart and in your life for you to see a situation and totally deceive you about what is really going on. You see, Haman walks by Mordecai, and Mordecai is doing something there, very God-honoring. He is living in confidence and faith in God. He is being surrendered and humble to God. He's refusing to put any other God before him. Like he's doing this, the, the right thing. 
Yet Haman takes this so personal, like he totally perceives this the wrong way. He sees and thinks, I mean, Mordecai's not thinking, Haman, I'm going to do this. Like, no, he's him and God, I'm with God. And Haman's like, it's all about me. He just doesn't like me. And, he, and so you will see situations in your life. You will be already pre-notioned with this level of bitterness about a situation or a person or a thing in your life that you'll see something and you will not be able to see the truth of the situation. It will totally distort your perception. Okay? And this is exactly what happens to Haman here. It distorted his perception he saw what it wasn't it says he got angry one translation says indignation rose up in him however he restrained himself and he goes on home it's eating at him you ever had something eat at you you know you get mad at something at work and then you just go home and take it out on your kids or your spouse never no <laughs> or you get mad at school and you come home and it boils out on your parents and then you take a little bit of time and you realize and you talk and have a conversation. You're like, oh, you're not really mad at me. Like, there's a thing, there's something in your life that you're bitter about. And so we see it disturbed his perception. Second thing is it, it limits your circle. I told you we were going to go through this pretty quick. It distorts his perception. Bitterness limits your circle. Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh, his wife. Let me tell you, when, when bitterness takes up root in, in our hearts, we begin to force friends and people around us to pick sides. Are you with me for a minute? That, that we're bitter about a situation or a circumstance, and anybody who doesn't agree with us in that all of a sudden is not going to be at our table having dinner. Are you with me? Someone that's not just going to be amen with you, it begins to limit your circle, and you'll feel this in your own life with, 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 with situations where you're feeling like, i got to pick a side. You'll know somewhere in the midst of that bitterness is at play. Bitterness limits your circle. All of a sudden, you're only friends with people who agree. You're only your close circle of people that agree or are on your side or with you or are not against you. Bitterness corrupts our conversation. What does he say? He, he, Haman goes home. He gets all his friends and his wife together, all his, all, all, all his, his tribe, his people, and, and, he, and he begins to boast to them about his great wealth and his many children. He, he brags about the honors the king had given him and how he'd been promoted over all the other nobles. He's the prime minister, second most powerful person in the world at this time. And then he goes on and he, and he says, That's not all. Queen Esther invited me only. Uh, only me and the king himself to this banquet. I mean, just bragging, bragging, bragging all about himself. It corrupts his whole conversation. He invites a bunch of people over. I'm sure he sat at the head of the table and he began to just to, to brag and boast about all the good in his life. And then he moves to, to complaining. I'm going to skip this one so you can see this verse. He talks about all the good. And I got invited to this banquet and she invited me to another one tomorrow. I'm going and then he says, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, just sitting there at the palace gate. So it limits his circle. It corrupts his conversation. And this is a really important one. 
we got to get our arms around. It sidetracks your purpose. Haman is the second most powerful person in the world. And he cannot fulfill his, his duties at work because of Mordecai, this pesky Jew, at the palace gate. <laughs> Are you hearing me for a minute? Like, he can't even focus at work because he, he, he's, he, he's, he's sidetracked his purpose. It's because he, he's bitter, he's upset about what Mordecai's doing. All this, all this banquets and all these things I'm bragging about, it's just not worth it because Mordecai just sits there. And he can't even step into his purpose. Man, God, the devil will get us there. Do you hear me? There's a thing in psychology called ruminating. And ruminating means you just have this, this thought over and over and over that you can't get rid of it. Man, the enemy wants to get you there. He wants you to replay the situation you went through, the, the person. Like you try to go to work, but you're just thinking about mm, that thing. That's in your head. You, you try to listen to worship music and you listen to the first line and then you're just thinking about mm, that person, that thing, that situation. It's so unfair. It's this, it's that. And, and it sidetracks. God's got good things for you, yet you're dwelling on things that are hurtful and distracting. And you can't even step into what God has called you into because of bitterness. That's four. The fifth thing we see it is inhibits your judgment. You like all these words? You got a lot of notes to take today. It inhibits your judgment. 514A. So he's laid it all out to his friends and his wife, and he said, It's all good, but just, you know, Mordecai, he's got me. So his, his wife and his friends, they say, Set up a sharpened pole. They stand 75 feet tall, and in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. Now, listen, when you don't have bitterness in your heart, and your heart's right, and somebody tells you to impale a man on a 75-foot dagger, what do you say? I hope you say, no. I don't think that's a good idea. They probably shouldn't do that. And the incredible thing about this is this type of punishment and death, what was, historians really say it's worse than the cross. Like this is a 75-foot sharpened pole, taller than this building, that they, they lowered the man, the person. I don't have to get graphic, do I? <laughs> Let me tell you what bitterness can do to you. It can get you to the heart that Haman has here, they say, let's put him on that pole. Let, let's just, let, let's crucify him, if you will. And Haman says, that's a great idea. <laughs> you see, bitterness can get into our hearts so that our judgment, that we will make decisions, that, that we will yell crucify the person closest to us. Their judgment will say, wait, uh, with a clear mind and where God's called me to be, I would never say yes to that. I would never think ill for someone or bad for someone. I would never especially hope for it. But bitterness can absolutely get us there.
It backfires. Bitterness backfires. It distorts your perception. All of a sudden, you, you may be upset and bitter over something that you just heard about, and you don't even know if it's real or what the truth is. It corrupts your conversation. It gets us talking about all the wrong things. It sidetracks our purpose. God's got a call for our life, and now bitterness has got root, and it creates divisions and whatever that might be, and it limits your circle, and all of a sudden it's us against them or these against them. Are you seeing this? It inhibits our judgment, so all of a sudden, man, we're just ready to pounce on anybody and anything. It's not something we want in our hearts. It's the reason the writer of Hebrews says you've got to take care of one another. You've got to dig that thing out. Whether it's bitter about something that happened to you as a child and the way you were abused or a family or just some circumstance you couldn't deal with that was out of your control or abuse or what happened to you. Or if it's bitterness towards somebody. Could be bitterness towards somebody that really did something wrong to you. Could be bitterness towards somebody that didn't do anything wrong to you. We just let pride get in and bitterness takes up root. Man, for, for Haman, though, this really backfires. <laughs> You know, if you know the story, and this is, this, is, uh, this is not, you know, I'm not saying if we don't get bitterness out of our heart, this is going to happen to us. But this is the demise of Haman, and bitterness is what, pride and bitterness is what led him here. If you go to chapter 7, verse 10, you know, when he was so proud and he was so excited, he's like, you build the dagger in chapter 5. I can't give you between chapter 5 and chapter 7. You've got to come back next week. But chapter 7, verse 10 is, So they impelled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. It was his demise. Self-seeking pride. Bitterness was the end of Haman. So we know it backfires. We've got to get it out, man. If you're going to step into God's call in your life, you, you cannot follow Jesus with your feet with bitterness in your heart. They don't go hand in hand. So you've got to take all the things and stuff that's happened to you. We're going to look at three ways to dig through it, dig out of it, and I promise it's going to be quick. Three things. First, Control your tongue. It's clear guidance in the New Testament. We've got to control our tongues and the words that we say. Talk about the situation less. Colossians 3.8 says, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. That means gossip. That means rumors you've heard. That means complaining. That means talking about negatively about people. You know, you know, gossip is saying anything about someone to someone that can't do anything about it. All right, like if you've got a real heart and a real issue about something, you really love them and care about them, which is what Hebrews 12 called us to, then you go to that person. Take care of one another. And so we begin to control our tongues and our conversation. We control our thoughts. Scripture says to take every thought captive. 
to get control of ruminating. Uh, and let me tell you what doesn't work. Making a decision and saying, I'm not going to think about that anymore. <laughs> that won't work. It'll just make you think about it more. You've got to choose something to replace it with. You know, the, the New Testament writer said, you've you got to think on things that are lovely, that are pure, that are beautiful, that are, that are true, that are real, that are hopeful. Like, pick the thing that says, when I think about that, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to think about this. And maybe it's a list of scripture that means something to you, that speak into the situation, that when you start to think this, just pull that out, open your phone, put it on your home screen if you have to, to dig through a season of bitterness. The last thing is control your heart. Uh, bitterness is really the result of keeping a grudge, um, which means not forgiving. I was here yesterday we came when we were baptizing Sean, and I walked into Glenna's office out here to look for a shirt, and I saw a little calendar there, and it, it had a verse there, and it was the verse I was going to use, so I took a picture of it. Um, I hope you can, you can read that in Ephesians 4.31. He said, Jerry, you're just pulling this out of, you, you know, out of the Old Testament and, you know, this is it. It didn't apply to today. This is the word to the church at Ephesus, to you and me. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Didn't have verse 32 on there, but we got technology. <laughs> verse 32 gives us the key. To unlocking bitterness, to moving past it, to overcoming it. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's a little thing called uh, forgiveness. Tacoma Christian Counseling wrote it like this the key to fighting bitterness is forgiveness. When you forgive, you let the other person off the hook for their wrongs. You can hand your hurt over to God and who will handle it with perfect justice. Then you can step into freedom instead of being held in the bondage of bitterness. The person who wronged you doesn't need to apologize or make amends to you for forgiveness to work its healing power. Forgiveness is an act of your will. It doesn't require any contact with your offender. It is simply an act of faith between you and God. Now, some of y'all been hurt. Different situations, people. I'm sorry. That's a broken world. We've all been hurt. People do things you don't think they would ever do. But to let it go, we have to choose in our hearts to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. It doesn't mean things go back to normal. Uh, forgiving, as that said, it doesn't, it's not about them saying they're sorry, <laughs> the person. Forgiveness is about you and it's about me. It's in our own hearts. And it's really as, as simple as what they said. There's some people right now in your life you've got to let off the hook. You're hearing their names and you're going, ah. 
and let them off the hook. Let's let one another off the hook. And, and, and the reason this matters, because there's a man who should have been more bitter than any of us. That did everything he was supposed to do. That walked earth perfectly. Fulfilled the entire law. Deserved heaven and all of it to gain. Yet he stepped off the throne in humility to be a servant. And to walk with you and me. And his reward for, for doing everything the Father had asked him to do ended with the punishment that you and I deserved. I mean, we get upset if somebody cuts in front of us at the McDonald's drive through line. Like some of you bitter at people you don't even know. You probably got their license plate number. And, and still remember the person who cut you off at McDonald's. He took all the punishment that I deserved. And he gets to the cross. And, and, and Luke chapter, and it's Jesus, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Luke chapter 23. You see, this attitude of bitterness and hatred is, is what, what drove people to put Jesus on the cross. And, and so we see him, him get to the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two others, both criminal, criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus gave us the best example. You know what he said, right? Father... Forgive them. Father, we pray we come to you this morning as the worship team comes. I we just want to have a hunger for you, and we know you have a hunger for our hearts. God, we, just, we, we pray that in each and every heart in this place that, that you speak into real situations and real people and you begin to do the healing power that only you can do. That you, you, you give us the, the power through your spirit to lay ourselves down, to humble ourselves and say, it's not about me. That we can choose today to forgive those who have hurt us or offended us. And pursue your call in our life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.